0: We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order.
1: It appears as though something has happened in the motorcade route. The Oswald has been struck. Paddock fired out of two adjoining rooms, using a device similar to a hammer to smash the windows. Several uh, flying saucers there of extraterrestrial origin. Digging Chris Graves. Hey, welcome back to Digging Chris Graves. I am said Chris Graves, and I have a great guest, a guy I wanted to talk to for a while. We got Midnight Mike from our Big Dumb Mouth podcast and Union of the Unwanted. Welcome, sir.
0: Hey, thanks. Nice to be here. Early in the morning for us, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's uh, an understatement, but uh I wanted to make sure that this happened cuz I had to postpone last time not to get too personal for everybody. But uh Mike um just tell everybody that may not be familiar with your work um like what what got you into the paranormal and uh you know, with comedy and things cuz you're a very funny guy and and I enjoy you. Uh, I appreciate you, sir.
0: <laughs> well, I pr- I appreciate you for taking the time to uh listen to us. So Oh, boy. So uh, the podcast I run is called Our Big Dumb Mouth. It uh, started back in 2006, right when uh, podcasting first became a thing. Um, I wanted to do a podcast because I've had uh, just a, a long love of listening to talk radio, uh, Art Bell, Howard Stern, Opie Anthony, anything on the AM dial. Uh, but I uh, really fell in love with like the, the medium of uh, radio when I was a kid. And my parents would uh, take me to my, uh, my grandparents' house. And they would play old-time radio plays like uh, George Burns, Gracie Allen, uh, the Bickerson's. Like those radio plays, those radio kind of comedy uh, shows uh, that were taking place in the 30s and 40s. Uh, and uh, I fell in love with it. And so I kind of mimicked that kind of vibe with like Foley sound effects, sound drops, uh, okay. overproduction into my podcast, but you mix in uh, Art Bell and Howard Stern and then all the wacky sound effects, and that's uh, our big dumb mouth. But when it comes to the paranormal and my uh, my interest in that topic, that started at a fairly young age, um, probably as, uh, as far back as I can remember. I was born in 77, and I remember watching Close Encounters of the Third Kind uh, being really obsessed with that kind of uh, science fiction genre and movies. And then also as a, as a youngster watching unsolved mysteries with Robert stack and, <laughs> uh, right. and all that kind of stuff. So every time I'd go to the, the local library and we didn't have a big, I, I come from a, a fairly small town in Ohio and our library wasn't that, uh, that expansive, but I would always be drawn to the metaphysical, the UFO, the paranormal section, I would always make a beeline to that section, as I do now. (laughs) That's the first section I hit when I go to any bookstore, just to see if they got anything new or anything that I haven't heard of yet. And it's kind of stayed with me throughout my entire life. I've had uh, a few paranormal experiences here and there that have uh, definitely left an impression on me and uh, definitely makes me question
1: uh, this reality. Now, if you, if you don't mind me asking, um, I had a not so much. Well, I guess you call it a paranormal experience. I saw one of those infamous uh, black triangles in 1998, and it was about a year almost. It was March of 98. It was about a year after the uh, the Phoenix Lights, hmm. which a lot of people get. Uh, it's kind of murky, uh, those specifics with the Phoenix Lights. Because what everyone saw in the videotape that they kept showing over and over again was not the only thing that was happening that night. There was actually triangles all over the state of Arizona that people were seeing and the Phoenix lights they tried to blame on um, they tried to explain it away as being uh, flares from the Air Force like some kind of exercise
0: yeah that's that's what I, said. I lived in Phoenix for a couple of years and uh, everyone I talked to, didn't know much about it because no one from Phoenix is from Phoenix. They're all from someplace else. And uh, the only person I knew uh, that was in Phoenix at the time of the lights was uh, my uncle, who is he was working at the military base. He's a he's a ex fighter pilot. When he got out of Vietnam, he started working for uh, the army, He worked at an Air Force base specifically for a particular colonel. And he was uh, probably he was the communications liaison. And so oh. he was uh, pretty familiar with the workings of the base, what training set exercises was going on. Cause he was in charge of editing a training material, also capturing footage of what was going on at the base and, uh, and talking to some of the higher ups to coordinate uh, uh, some of that, uh, that media that was required. And so during, and this is what he told me uh, during the actual night of the Phoenix lights, uh, his office was being inundated by phone calls from the press trying to figure out what was going on. And so he told me that he had to talk to the press. He talked to the, the the base Colonel, the Colonel of the base and asked him directly, do we have a training exercise going on right now? I need to tell, I don't need to do, but I I need to say something to the press or ask these questions. And the colonel directly said, to him, we do not have any training exercises going on right now. That's for <laughs> the press. Now it came out later. If you remember, yes, that they did try to explain it away as a training exercise, saying there were squares. Yes, but my uncle told me verbatim it was not, it wasn't our base. It wasn't us. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but the story quickly changed right after that. But you're right. There was a whole flap of. Of the the giant triangular UFO that came in, I believe it came in from the north, yeah. went over Phoenix, headed south towards the Tucson area, and uh, a lot of different people saw it.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't just a, it wasn't just one either. Apparently, other people saw like a, a couple of triangles uh, in the same at the same moment, and like a mothership, and even a a, a circular saucer. Like, that's the other details people don't really talk about or know about. Huge things.
0: Uh, it wasn't. Yeah. So, when people say the Phoenix Light, a, like a giant triangular craft, yes, but some accounts people claim that they could see through this craft. Yeah. Almost as if it was translucent or uh, this craft was projecting the star field behind it. Almost if, if there was a camera on top of, of the vehicle. <laughs> yeah. Taking pictures of whatever was above it and then projecting it below it as if there was a big giant television screen to obfuscate what was going on. Like maybe uh, that version of stealth, if it was one of our own craft, human made craft, that this is like their version of like the Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger Predator uh, cloaking technology or could have been really translucent. Who knows?
1: Oh, there's all well, yeah, there's also that, and it reminds me of in the Avengers. If anyone out there remembers the uh, the, the shield helicarrier had the same type of thing where it was using cameras to uh, film the sky behind it and would project that image onto to make it like invisible, basically. So it's the same, same thing, stealth technology, I guess, is what I'm trying to yeah. describe, but. That was one of the great
0: things about living in Phoenix was, uh, sky, sky watching because the the skies are remarkable. Um, you can, it's clear, much more clear. Uh, there, there's mountains to easily uh, get up on top of. So you, you are, you can, like, I live right in front of this, this mountain and I would, uh, we could go out any night, go up on top of this mountain and look over the entire city and not much of your view is obfuscated by urban buildings and all this kind of stuff. light pollution. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I was in Phoenix, so there's going to be light pollution, but you can see the entire sky. And there's always weird things. Like when it comes to the Southwest, there is a lot of uh, history of the paranormal. It is a clash of cultures where you have Western expansion, you have native American cultures, then you have the Mexican culture. It is fascinating. It's beautiful. And people are seem to be a little bit more uh, is rough and tumble. And they're they're open (laughs) to these uh, these conversations about the the paranormal, especially the Native American culture, which have been dealing with these topics for a very long time. But then you go up to Sedona, Arizona and Sedona, Arizona is a mecca of the metaphysical and the paranormal kind of new age hippie, great great kind of like if you're into any of these topics Sedona is for you but it's overpopulated with a lot of uh new age types but (laughs) yeah but you can do some amazing UFO watching out there because there's not much light pollution yeah and uh, the time I did go up there uh specifically to watch for UFOs uh we did the the night vision UFO tour the night before I got married to my wife, instead of doing like a bachelor party, we you know we was like let's go look at UFOs. I'm
1: like okay, that great. sounds <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. That sounds awesome, dude. It was
0: great. We had a great time. So we went out into the desert of Sedona. Uh, it wasn't that far out, but he you, you had these night vision goggles on, and when you pop them on in Sedona, you see it like triples or quadruples the amount of stars you can see. Everything, every little speck of light is visible. And I I I saw lights probably in orbit. It had to be up in orbit, and it was going over us. It paused, and then it kept going. Um, oh wow! Probably a fairly tough maneuver to to do when you're in orbit to to stop <laughs> yeah. that kind of momentum and and go. Um, and but during that uh, several hours, we had the night vision goggles on. You could see things that. Are, were not easily explainable. Um, if they were aircraft built by humans, well, they didn't have the typical aircraft warning lights you would see. Um, yeah. If they were aircraft, they were super high up there and able to stop and keep going. Uh, fascinating stuff.
1: Yeah, no, wow. I, I, well This by chance, was, was this um, close to the White Mountains?
0: Off the top of my head, I I do not know.
1: Okay, because that because when I was I was driving cross country uh, a couple of years ago, and for I just made it a point to go through uh, Snowflake, Arizona, where Travis Walton was from, and yeah. the, white, the at the edge of the White Mountains where his experience was. Oh, so and,
0: yeah, I think the snow that that area that is more towards the northeast of Arizona. Cool. And that's uh more northeast of Sedona.
1: It was close by to where uh, Bill Cooper was buried because I stopped by there too and paid my respect. Um, yeah, that would be around Eager, yeah, Eager, Arizona. So,
0: so um, I I saw Travis Walton speak in Arizona. Um, Oh
1: wow! wow.
0: So like Arizona, like when it comes to like like UFO conferences and and like kind of like off the cuff stuff, they host a ton of of these talks and MUFON in Arizona. Is at a different level than Mufon in Ohio, for instance. Like uh MUFON in Arizona really has its act together and they have a good group of people that will bring in uh these presenters and 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 people that give lectures. So when I saw Travis Walton there, um he he was a very engaging speaker. Of course, he's the fire in the sky guy. Everyone probably knows this. If you're familiar with UFOs, you know Travis Walton's story. And you know the overall gist of it, probably because of the movie. Now, some of the things that he talked about that maybe people aren't that familiar with is that when he was abducted, uh, he claimed to have not only encountered like the the, ter- the stereotypical alien creatures. He said there were quite human-looking entities yeah. there as well, wearing uniforms. And he believes he, he when he was injured, uh, he believes that he was... Injured because there was a confusion going on. That This craft didn't necessarily strike him. The craft may have saved him because he may have been struck by lightning that was the product of the craft being there. And that the craft went, oh my God, we accidentally killed this human. Bring him on board. Let's see what we can do to help him out. And he believes that he was taken to a place to be fixed. And it wasn't like malicious in, in any sort of way. They were actually, it's like, they were trying to fix or help a wounded animal.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I've heard, I've heard him talk many times, and uh, yeah, the, he he flat out says they took li- uh, Paramount and everybody, and Mel Torme's son wrote the screenplay based on uh, uh, off of the book too, and they took a lot of liberties and kind of made the uh, extraterrestrials into your stereotyp- stereotypical uh, you know monsters with a you know, the needles going towards his eye and everything. And, and that really affected me. <laughs> it, it, that really had, um, it had, let's just say it was pretty traumatic in the movie theater when I went to see it in 1993, but in a good way. I don't know if it was a good trauma, but it, it was uh, fascinating to me. And it, it kind of like started my my love of the whole UFO culture before I actually saw my own with the triangle. A couple, a few, about five years later, you know, and my, my mother and my grandfather and my uncle and my aunt, they all talked about how they saw the classic, um, and these guys, these people, they're not ones to make up things, real, you know what I mean? So they told, all told me individually too. It wasn't all at once. And in 1964, in December, around that area in Needham, Massachusetts, apparently there were uh, a few flying saucers flying over Needham, Mass., and it was all over the news at the time, and it was, like, right before the great blackout of, like, 1966 or the East Coast. Is that
0: uh, a coincidence there? Because a, a lot of times when these UFOs are seen, yeah, um, people, when they catch a glimpse of them, sometimes these UFOs are hovering over power lines. They yes. It's like, almost like they're sucking power from us. Back to the Travis Walton case, yeah. Where where that took place, that is one spot in the country where it has uh, a, 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 just an increased number of lightning strikes in that area. Yeah. So lightning is like strikes in that area of 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 uh, Arizona, where Travis Walton was abducted. It's 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 like a, a, a really well-known spot for lightning strikes. And when lightning strikes there, it produces this weird crystal or uh, in. And so Travis was like, well, I don't know why the UFO was there, but I suspect it could have been because of the lightning strikes or what results from the lightning strikes. And then the blackout that you're talking about, I don't know. These UFOs are always kind of hanging around when when blackouts happen.
1: (laughs) Power plants and nuclear facilities. And yeah, well, what happened was uh, I went further in uh, researching it. And uh, apparently in December of 1964, there was in Project Blue Book. There was an entry about Needham Mass, and somebody called saying, "Hey, there's a flying disc Because uh, back then they called the flying discs instead of saucers or whatever. At the, for the most part, and uh, yeah, there was an entry where someone called it into the Air Force or whatever Project Blue Book. So it it wasn't just a family, you know, family members just uh, you know telling some kids some some, some gibberish or whatever, but. But I wanted, to, I wanted to point this out to you. <clears throat> I don't know if you ever heard this, but I uh, the spot that Betty and Barney Hill were abducted from, that was the White Mountains, too, but almost on the polar opposite side of the country in New Hampshire hmm. from, from Travis. And I always got a kick out of that because I, I went and I checked out – I paid my respects to uh, their graves too. They're in New Hampshire, but they're no—they're buried nowhere near the spot in the White Mountains where, you know, their abduction supposedly happened. But it just—it's weird how these two cases, the most to me, the two most famous alien abduction cases, Travis Walton and Betty and Barney Hill, they all take—they they take place in the White Mountains, but not the same White Mountains—the White Mountains of New Hampshire and of Arizona. And that, yeah, that's just one of those, uh, you know, that's,
0: that's a fascinating coincidence.
1: You know? Yeah. I mean, people and, could be like, well, the white mountains could be, I I'd never actually checked to see how many other white mountains there were, you know, around the world, but it's just kind of weird that the two most famous abduction stories are in the white mountains, but not the same one.
0: Well, just like there's a lot of people who get abducted from places called devil's peak or anything yeah. with, with, with the name devil in there. And yeah, uh, and just like uh, Travis Walton, who got his story play or displayed on by Hollywood, uh, yeah, the Betty and Barney Hill they, they got their own. Uh, I guess it was God. movie of the week. Yeah, movie of the week, and I think it's produced by the Obamas. Oh,
1: you mean a new one?
0: there's a new one by uh, the President Obama. They yeah. have uh, he's got his own production company that I think is attached to Netflix, and so he's producing the Betty and Barney Hill abduction story i don't know when it's supposed to be out but i I do know he's involved with that
1: how did i how did i miss that i thought you were about to go into how james earl jones uh, starred as uh, barney hill in uh the tv movie from like 1975 yeah it was a while ago but
0: yeah uh, president obama, obama he's updated yeah so it'd be it, it's going to be fascinating to see what they what they choose to pick from the story to convey that because there's a, there's a lot of different facets to Betty and Barney Hill.
1: Yeah. Including the air force mm-hmm. that, that, that doesn't get talked about too much. Like they had a friend in the air force that they were uh, talking to and asking. I think, I believe the, uh, the air force gentleman was responsible for hooking them up with the, the hypnotist. I, I, I believe it's been a while since I, uh, looked into, I, looked into that case but yeah
0: me too i mean honestly like there's so much lore with ufos it uh, it's tough for any one person to know the intimate details of every yeah. case or like like sometimes you like for me i get i get drawn into like one specific area of of the, these things and that's kind of like humanoid encounters that's where yeah i try to spend my time these fascinating little tidbits these little vignette encounters that seem to have some sort of theme throughout them and when it comes to like the the ufo history and like dates and times and all that kind of stuff I, that it's not yeah. my wheel that's not my wheelhouse
1: yeah no i understand that yeah and for the most part I'll, I'll flat out tell you i think that the craft that i saw was uh was made by i can't prove it but i have a feeling it wasn't uh extraterrestrial i think it was just classified technology that is you know not declassified yet you know it, um, it
0: is amazing like that that black triangle comes up where sometimes when i open up the phone lines on the show cuz uh, yeah. typically we will open up the phone lines and people call in and uh, they'll have like a some people have like a ufo encounter or a ufo sighting story and uh, sometimes it's the black triangle and uh, it's a black triangle but um it does seem like a, a good a good chunk of what people see could easily be explained as our own human tech now where that tech originates from or where they got the idea from is anybody's guess
1: it's anyone's guess you got the nazis you got tesla you got all kinds of different options you know uh it just uh, it could have been here all along the Vril society like like you're never going to really know you know And I think uh, people like Bill Cooper got caught up in that in the beginning. And uh, what people don't usually hear is that he he admitted when he was wrong. He felt he was wrong about the quote unquote alien agenda. And usually when you hear people tear down uh, Bill Cooper, they'll bring up the Zapruder film where William Greer supposedly is shooting Kennedy in the head with a pistol He came back. He went and said he was wrong about that, too. But you don't hear the the, you don't hear that later on when people are kind of tearing the man down. But the alien agenda thing, he thought it was very much a human thing and a distraction.
0: So so he that's his initial theory. So what where did like where did he say he was wrong? Like on on his initial assessment of UFOs
1: on the hour of the time uh, radio episodes? And I'll go back and find them for you just to be specific. Um, He admitted that because he was doing presentations about uh, the flying saucers and the alien agenda for quite a while. But something I can't uh, right off the top of my head, something about the whole thing didn't sit well with him after a while. And he was talking about how he was wrong about it for the last few years of his life on that uh, on that show, the hour of the time. But I can't specifically say like what episode it was, but I'll go back and find it. Um, but yeah, he said he had like a, an, a, a revelation. That's why he started concentrating more on the the more grounded um, conspiracies, you yeah, know, political like, conspiracies, political, yeah. militia stuff, you know, especially with Oklahoma City happening and everything. But yeah, for a while there, he was you know talking about because he even interviewed. I have one of the tabs up right now. He interviewed uh, Travis Walton for uh, Fire in the Sky when the movie was coming out. And they were talking about a lot of the differences between his actual experience and what they, the liberties they had to take to make the movie, you know, more entertaining and and terrifying and things like that. But um, I came across over the years, I came across different articles that pointed to the idea that. a lot of these abduction stories could have been like military projects. It could have been like, just like a, an MK ultra kind of deal, you know? Um,
0: that's, that's the, the thing that uh, I'm, I'm researching and reading about right now is my labs or military uh, yeah. abductions. And I'm open to any and all possibilities. Me too. And uh, I, there are, I mean, obviously there have been abductions, weird things throughout the course of human history when it comes to even like fairy abductions or or people taken to the underground by elves and, and and trolls like these kind of stories have been persistent throughout human history. And Jack Valet has done a good job at like documenting these, these similarities. Now where it comes to like a a bit of a a change, like 1940s and fifties with the abduction phenomenon, it, it almost seems like, uh, both are true well there are genuine paranormal abductions but it also seems like the military are doing their own abductions almost trying to figure out and i if i had to theorize it's like they're abducting similar types of people or the same people to figure out why the aliens are abducting them it's almost like make it till you make it's like they're okay the aliens are abducting these people let's take them and see
1: why they're taking them <laughs> So it's like a um, reverse engineering thing
0: yes it's almost kind of trying to figure out fake it till you make it kind of situation
1: yeah, yeah and i i don't poo-poo that theory at all i mean that makes sense to me you know in a weird way but uh go, but just going back um you had said that you had your own paranormal experiences sure yeah um, yeah what, what's that all about
0: Mostly, uh, ranging in 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 the range of uh, ghosts and, and poltergeists. So uh,
1: those the, are ones I would wish I'd have too, because I only have the UFO one. The ghost one, I don't know. I don't personally think they're spirits of like people that are no longer alive. I'm open to it, but I wish I had like a ghost experience. As crazy as that sounds, but with the the UFO thing, it, it adds credibility to the you know just that they. People are seeing something just like I think people like yourself and uh, as people in my family, I think there is something to the ghost thing. I just don't know what it is. You know,
0: I don't, I, I don't know what it is. It's there's, there seems to be certain points in maybe people's lives or on a particular place on this earth where things are more likely to happen. Yeah. And so my, my first real experience was that uh, uh, I was on vacation with my family. We are at the Myrtle beach. Uh, we took my friend uh, Mike with me, and so it was my older brother, myself, and and Mike. We were all in different rooms at night, and then I I heard some kind of like weird noise. I couldn't describe it. I was in my room by myself. My, my older brother and Mike were in a different room, and uh, I just heard some weird noise, and I, I came out into the living room, and they were walking out a- as well. Uh, and it, it was basically what I heard was like kind of like indistinct voices. You can't wow. really pick out a word, but you 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 could tell it was like a voice coming from somewhere. Yeah. And as I walked out into the living room to check what was going on, and I was probably like ten to maybe yeah ten or eleven at this point, um, uh, they were exiting their room, asking, "Did you hear that?" And I was like, "Yeah, I, I heard something." Um, And then our friend Mike said, "I." distinctly heard a guy's, a man's voice right outside of our door saying something and it kind of freaked us out. So we all slept in the living room that night. We told my parents the next day when they woke up, my mom was like, okay, I'm going to sleep in your room. You guys can all sleep in the living room. And so my mom slept in the room I was in. And uh, when she woke up the, the following night, she said, I heard children laughing during the night and I couldn't pinpoint it. Uh, but I heard that. And so that kind of like uh, kind of solidified that, eh, this, this, this property here had some weird stuff going on. Then I, later when I went to college, I was 18. Um, and it was like the, the first, the first week or two at an art school. And there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of weird energy. And when everyone is together for the first time, and I remember laying my head down on my pillow getting ready to go to sleep and i heard a whisper coming through the pillow cool. and i sat up in bed and i was like oh all right, all right something something's going on here maybe i'm just hearing something <laughs> and uh, my my roommate and i we were sleeping with the radio on it was just one of those things and so like i had to be something from the radio laid my head back down again and i heard the whispering again louder i sat up in bed and then I heard the whispering coming from the corner of the room. And it was just kind of like, Damien, Like over and over again. like something, something like the word Damien. I don't know. I was going to say, was. was it Damien? It kind of sounded like that. It, it, and I listened to it for a bit and I got freaked out, left the room and didn't sleep in my room for the next two weeks. Now, throughout that year, there were various incidents where there would be like I would be in the common area no one else was in the quad with me and I was like in the kitchen and from behind me I would hear shh like a big (laughs) like I was being shush like I was making too much noise but there was no one there was no one in 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 the quad with me yeah and that happened several times throughout the year um and it just kind of left me very unsettled Right. uh during during that time um those are like the the, the major major ones um oh. but that was like uh, during my college experience i i had uh, a lot of uh depression like a lot of like i wasn't in the best mindset yeah um then at uh, the age of uh, 23 i remember having this very vivid dream where I was walking through these bizarre houses, and there were three ghosts like attached to me, and wow! And then I remember by being waking, like I, I like shook myself off the bed, and then this voice was in my head saying, "Tim is gone," and from that point on, I felt good. I felt better, like mentally almost like a blanket was lifted off of me and that depression and all that, that weirdness you get, uh, that, that darkness sometimes that you feel was kind of lifted and I felt better. I felt lighter off that almost as if like some kind of attachment that I had, uh, ran its course or something like that. Um, and during that
1: or a bad spirit was, was exercised somewhere.
0: As bizarre as it is, like having to deal with names like Damien and Tim. Tim. Of, like Tim's <laughs> yeah. gone. Okay. Well, thank you. What about Tim. Damien? Damien's <laughs> a little bit more evil than Tim, Damien. you know. Yeah. Tim's goofy. Yeah, Tim's. Uh, a,
1: yeah. It's
0: like Tim gave me a lot Tim of headaches around
1: him. Tim was shushing me.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe it was. I was disrupting Tim. He didn't like the music I was playing, possibly. <laughs> right. Uh, just uh, bizarre stuff like that. But I haven't had um, a real, I would say, concrete kind of paranormal encounter, not like that. Um, if you're, those, those
1: are pretty, uh, pretty out there. So I don't know. I, I don't know what I would do. Like,
0: I, like, the more I, I dive into, like, some, like, the more I read about spirituality or, or attend conferences like that, I get ringings in my ear, like high pitched ringing in my ear. Um, really? it could be tinnitus, but it happens so frequently it's not tinnitus at this point, I would have lost so much frequency. Um, but, uh, I, I do like the more I like investigate like spirituality, look into hermeticism or stuff like that. I, I will get these little like high pitch ringing in my ear or when I think of certain things now in the spirituality community, uh, they will say that is like a, a notification or some, some, some kind of spirit is trying to communicate with you or give you some sort of indication. Right. And, um, uh, I don't know what to say about that. All I know is it has been a lot more prevalent since I've have been in a relationship with my wife, who seems to be a lot more spiritually inclined and in touch than I am. Uh, oh. Don't know what to make of it. Uh, but it, it does seem to happen more frequently when I am
1: with her. Can I, can I get a little dark and nefarious for a sure. second with you? That just kind of reminds me of, um, <clears throat> that, that, that has like shades of, uh, what you hear about with targeted individuals and like uh, certain weapons that we know exist um, that are, you know what I mean? Like, um, like with things like harp in Alaska and things and uh, people hearing like a, a buzzing or a ringing and even things that are in the ground to make it like with noises in certain communities. Like that's what it has shades of to me. Like, uh, I don't know. Well,
0: I have a memory that I cannot place, and uh, I've, I've, I've told this on my podcast a few times. I, twi- yeah. I try not to dwell on this, but this memory is one of those ones that uh, pops up, and this memory came back to me in my 20s, and I, I talked to my parents about it. I've talked to doctors about it, and no one can place it. So here's my memory, and it doesn't feel like a dream. This is a memory. Um I am probably between the ages of uh, 5 and 7. I wake up face down on a table. My hands are strapped at each corner of of this almost gurney, like this medical gurney. My wow. my uh my ankles are also tied down to this medical gurney. I am face down. I look back over my left shoulder and I get uh I can't see exactly but out of my peripheral there is a a person standing directly behind me. It feels like there's other people in the room with me and I'm in distress. I'm crying and I'm trying to move my, my arms and legs, but I can't, they're tied down. I get my left ankle free of the bindings. And I remember kicking back, like kicking back at the person behind me. And I remember, doing it and feeling like this gratification that I was able to fight back and kick back. Then that person takes my leg, puts it down and ties it off. Uh And that's, that's my memory. And I I pass back out, but that's all the memory I have. And I cannot place it. And I've talked to anesthesiologists. I've talked and I've talked to my parents about like during that time, What was going on with me? The only time that uh, I was really knocked out was when my tonsils were taken out. Yeah, they 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 said they were with me the entire time, and I actually I remember waking up in the hospital and having ice cream. And that's the only time that I during that period of my life where I would have been knocked out. Um, I was having some pretty intense nightmares during that period of my life that I remember. I remember. Uh, various lightning strikes and storms outside my window, and being extremely scared that the Lone Ranger was coming to get me. Uh, really? Yeah, and this—that's something that it kind of persisted, but it—it uh, it died off. But and I remember, for whatever reason, being terrified uh, that the Lone Ranger was going to come get me. Uh, no, like
1: not like Freddy Krueger or the Lone, <laughs> the Lone Ranger. <laughs> the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger. I'm wow. dating myself a little bit there, but. No well um, it's like the green hornets coming to get me it's like
0: oh yeah wow. <laughs> so I have that memory like I've never been able to place um and I have been given offers to to do hypnotic regression to to yeah. do it um one of the psychics that I have visited uh said, we can do this we can we can do hypnotic regression on you uh, but know that once you open up these doors, you might yeah. not be able to to shut them and if you have a good life and you like where things are now then maybe it's best to let sleeping dogs lie and that's kind of where i'm at
1: well well good for you i i don't know if i'd be able to rest until i got to the bottom of it and that would probably be my downfall
0: <laughs> yeah it's one of those things like I,
1: wow.
0: you, you know uh it is it a memory is it a dream is it like a past life thing was i Oh yeah. Was it a a parallel thought process from a parallel reality? Um, Like a doppelganger
1: of yourself in another, uh, another
0: reality. I'm open to all possibilities in this wacky reality. And I I, I'm comfortable sometimes not knowing and maybe um, it doesn't. That's why it doesn't eat me up so much. Cause I'm I'm comfortable going, okay. You know, I, I don't need to know everything. And even if I did know the absolute truth and I knew it and yeah. I couldn't prove it to anybody else. And that might be even more frustrating.
1: <laughs> Especially if it was something, something, uh, sinister too. Like, yes. Cause I've heard, um, I've heard t- uh, people talk about, uh, the Montauk project in Montauk Island. And apparently there were a lot of children that went missing or, uh, survived being uh experimented on around there yeah. right, right off of long island and we won't i won't continue with that but anyway anyway just uh i got a,
0: I got a friend that claims to be a montauk kid
1: really uh, okay uh, so that's what i'm talking he, about yeah. his
0: name's uh kenny bones and he's in a he's i played i used to play in like uh heavy metal bands he's in a heavy metal band called negative approach or a, <laughs> no, i'm sorry negative reaction is his, his band well, and I'm starting
1: negative Pro- approach right
0: now. So, um, I think negative approach is already a, a punk a punk band <laughs> from the '80s. But he was in a band called Negative Reaction, and from Long Island. And uh, he's a curious guy. Uh, he is a 33rd degree Mason, and claims to be a Montauk kid. And I've, I had him on my show years ago. And I probably should give him a call again and yeah. kind of recount some of the stories because he uh, it was grew up right there near Montauk.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a guy, uh, there's a gentleman that uh, did a lot of research into things like JFK Jr. and Columbine and Princess Diana and the Montauk Project. He goes by, well, his name is uh, John Quinn. He went by the, the moniker News Hawk in the late 90s. And I was able to get him on to my, my friend Donald Jeffrey's show I protest uh, last year or two years ago now. And, of course, his phone connection was all off and weird. And he kind of disappeared from the Internet for a long time. But during that inter- interview, he talked about possibly, you know, he not only investigated the whole Montauk project when he was out there, but that he had weird memories, like as a child, I believe. I think I'm recalling it right. And that he may have been experimented on himself. And that's what kind of drew him back to uh, Montauk Island, or or not Island, but the Montauk Point at the very end of Long Island. And that, for those out there that don't know, originally uh, the show Stranger Things was pitched with the title Montauk. And that's what the show Stranger Things is based on is the Montauk Project.
0: In the series of books is fascinating. Uh, Some of it is so fantastical. Um, It is very difficult for, I guess, I wouldn't, if you're into, if you're looking to get into UFOs and like the topic, I wouldn't start there because that's (laughs) like level five stuff.
1: It's a deep end. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Because it it goes into time travel. Use of of technology for opening up portals, time travel, Yep. summoning a demon yep. and uh, rampant use of the, the the general population around there as guinea pigs uh when it comes to like using weird frequencies and trying to influence the mood and um in yeah. like attitude of people in like nearby towns
1: yeah and it's not too far off from uh Lime, connecticut and and uh what's the other island there? plum island plum island yeah yeah and a lot of people speculate that that's where a lot of bioweapons were created, like possibly uh, where Lyme disease itself, you know, comes comes from. As kind of a, <laughs> the idea that during uh, during World War II with the Nazis, without, and then later on when we brought a lot of their scientists over with uh, Operation Paperclip, you know, to in, basically infect the ticks and the mosquitoes with all kinds of, uh, you know, bioweapon type stuff, you know.
0: Coincidentally enough, in my, in, when I was, uh, 18, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, like out of nowhere. Wow. And, um, like I started having massive swelling in my, 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 my joints. Like I wouldn't be able to, you know, I was like 18, fairly healthy 18 year old. Yeah. And I started to get this swelling out of nowhere. And I went to doctor after doctor after doctor, and they kept misdiagnosing me over and over again eventually they tested me for Lyme disease, even though I had no telltale signs of it, like no large, uh, like red circular area where a tick would bite you. And I got diagnosed with it. They put me on this weird round of antibiotics to try to kick it out of my system. It caused my body to completely freak out this, uh, covered in hives and all this stuff. And like for a period of, of my life, probably about five to seven years. Um, twice or three times a a year, like my, my knees or my elbows, or even parts of like weird parts of my spine would swell up and you couldn't do anything. And then like right around 27, 28, all that shit went away. Like it, like all like, and I didn't really do anything that different and I was partying really hard. Uh, I didn't really change my lifestyle. And, but it just kind of all went away. So whatever's going on between that time period, like when I had, when I went to school, I had my weird paranormal things. I started to get more sick with quote unquote Lyme disease. And then it just kind of went away. Uh, and I haven't, thank God had those, those swelling sy- symptoms for almost like, uh, 20 years now. Um,
1: I wonder if your uh, if your memory has something to do with that.
0: I don't know and i i don't even like want to believe that uh, i was part of any part of any sort of yeah that's uh, i'm trying to i'm trying to like maneuver around there's nothing there's nothing (laughs) unique or remarkable about me that would uh would lend somebody to say hey this person would make an ideal guinea pig for x y and z but if you Uh, didn't
1: even get bit by a, a a tick and there's no. no sign of it
0: there's no sign there was that's no sign very,
1: that's what i mean that's that's very very odd and then you have this memory where you're being strapped down somewhere yeah.
0: there's there's a lot of could be uh, there's a lot of like this weird things like that it could have been very easily that they like while i did test positive for limes that they uh they, they misdiagnosed me and uh, which does yeah. happen quite frequently and uh this they said hey uh, you know what? Let's get this guy out of here. They're, they've been complaining for a while. Just tell him he's got Lyme disease and give him some pills and send him <laughs> on his way.
1: Imagine that. Yeah. yeah, you have Lyme disease or you have AIDS. Just give him some Tic Tacs and get him out. Yeah,
0: here. get him out of here.
1: <laughs> well, anyway, so so basically, uh, if you could just tell everyone, how can you? Um, how can we we find your work? Uh, I'm not. We're not at the end here, but I want to yeah. make sure of that because you have the Listeners have the ability to call in uh, during your show on Wednesdays, right?
0: Uh, Saturdays, so we do two shows a week for some reason. Uh, <laughs> but uh, people can check us out at obdmpod.com or rbigdumbmouth.com, and there's links there to, to check yeah. us out. We do a live stream on Twitch, I don't know how much longer we will be there. Uh, but it's just myself, my co host Joe, and Cretchid, and we get together twice a week. And on Saturdays, we'll open the phone line, sometimes Wednesdays as well. And people can give a call in if they have something that they want to talk about, a particular news item, or if we said something that they found to be completely, uh, you know, outrageous or or wrong, like uh, correct us, please. There's no, it's impossible for anyone to get anything like 100% correct. And people, uh, when right. these topics come up, especially about UFOs, yeah. uh, people have their own theory about what they are. Like oftentimes we have people call in and say, UFOs, these aliens, these are demons. These are not what they claim to be. This is part of the great deception, the coming of the Antichrist. And like the more I look into it, it's like, okay, that's a valid theory on that. And that's something that uh, one of our callers would would stick with over and over again until finally I I wanted to take that approach to looking at the topic. And it's like, okay, there's some interesting things there. And I could see how people could be fooled into believing that these aliens have our best interest at heart, but really they just want to control us. And this is a, all a plot by the devil to take over the earth.
1: Yeah, no, I've heard that too, uh, where the angels are a uh, mistake. Like there's like a, a fine line between calling them a- aliens or angels or, or aliens and demons and things like that. And then you get into project Bluebeam. Because there's different facets to that. Because originally, I, I, from what I remember, Project Bluebeam was supposed to be the fake alien eva- invasion, but also there was another component where they were going to use holographic te- technology to have like a giant, you know, Muhammad or a giant Jesus in the sky, too. So there's this religious aspect, too. And we, you know, we haven't really had that yet. I mean, some people point to the, the Fatima um experience i don't know if you're familiar with that no i'm not yeah uh i don't have it in front of me so i'm not going to do it justice but a lot of people in i think south america they saw our lady of fatima i believe um in the sky and it was like thousands of people saw it um and then there's the whole thing about i'm I'm totally massacring that's all right But it's the Fatima thing, and it's it's fairly well well known in uh, especially in religious circles. But um, where, if you don't mind me asking, where do you lie in between? Like, um, I don't want to say the separation of church and state, but the separation of paranormal and religion, or is there no separation for you at all with that?
0: Um, it it's. I don't know, but. Uh, so I'll, t- I'll say it like this. So the more that I have read books about like the paranormal, like that includes ghosts and paranormal and in UFOs, it seems like they are pretty linked. They are pretty linked and in, um, in nature, especially when people have close yeah. encounters with certain uh, UFO craft. When they approach them, it's almost like they're taken into this dimensional warp where they see dead loved ones, where they have an after-death, after-life experience, a near-death experience. They have that experience, but they're still alive, but they're close to a UFO that apparently is generating some kind of field that blurs the lines between this reality and whatever lies beyond this. And I, I think the more that people research UFOs and some of these topics, uh, the more it leads you to the spiritual side of this reality. Now, when it comes to the hardcore religions like Christianity or yeah. Islam, um, I I think uh, I I do place a lot of importance on some of those teachers and masters like Jesus Christ or Muhammad, right. uh, or even Buddhism, like their teachings and i I own the bible i own uh a lot of religious scriptures and uh, i will peruse through them i think they're important now what role do they play in modern day ufology well it's tough to know where the actual events take place and then where does the psyop begin yeah (laughs) it like with the history like for instance of the fbi and terrorism there is real true terrorism like organically generated in this world. Then there's the FBI version where they put informants in there in an yeah. effort to control the narrative of that terrorism. Um, I think something like that happens within uh ufology too, where there are true real UFO events. And then there is the co-opted PSYOP yeah. version of it in order to control the narrative of it. Uh for whatever reason, I th- and I think to a certain degree, Skinwalker Ranch is at that that level right now, where there are true events there at Skinwalker Ranch, and then there are the ones that not necessarily manufactured but guided to elicit some sort of reaction from the public, almost as that that is part of the uh, of the entire narrative for getting people more comfortable with the, the thoughts of, of UFOs, even though Skinwalker Ranch is like, it is that, uh, that nexus point where there's no difference between a UFO sighting and Bigfoot and Dogman. there. It's all part of the same phenomenon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The whole connection with Bigfoot and UFOs too. Uh, I don't really know what to make of that. I mean, some of the things that you were saying uh would, would make sense. Um, now what do you, what do you uh, have you ever uh, thought about the the idea that what we know uh, of a Sasquatch is actually a extraterrestrial phenomenon and not so much, and maybe that's why when people say, "Well, we could easily find," you know, uh, most of the, the Earth has been mapped out, and we, you know, with satellites, we can see. I know in, in dense forests, that's not so much the case, but the idea that Bigfoot is an uh,
0: an ET. Mm-hmm. I've thought about it, and uh, it's something that I actively consider. So when it comes to Bigfoot, I believe that there's something out there. Um, I think in the, the Bigfoot community is absolutely divided. It, it they it's like they don't get along with each other. Yeah. Uh, meaning that there are there's one section of the Bigfoot community that is like this is a North American ape. And we're going to yeah. treat it as though it's a primate in that there is nothing in and of itself other than unique about it, other than it's relatively undiscovered. And then there's like kind of like the other side of the big Bigfoot, Bigfoot community that believes that it's basically psychic Sasquatch or that it is uh, more linked to the ancient race of giants on this earth and could have some sort of minglings with UFOs. A lot of the weird UFO encounters that I read about Well, Bigfoot does seem to be hanging around Um, like it. Like there's a story right here. 1966 from Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, This is real brief here. I'll read it for you. A witness was camping near a lake with a fellow scout at night. He was suddenly awakened by splashing noises in strange color. He looked out of his tent and saw a bright light gliding over the lake, uh, over the lake, sucking up water. He was curious, but frightened at the same time. Uh, He lay face down and watched the light move over the water. Worried, he tried to wake up his tent partner, but could not wake him up. Then Uh he moved back to the tent door, but stopped quickly when he saw what he described as two-legged, hairy monsters. Uh, He backed away from the tent door, but could still see the image because the light was now closer. He doesn't remember much more, except that uh, that he was uh, being... uh, had he had like a a dream or a memory of being pulled into the lake and emerging inside a cavern under the lake, but there was wow. air there, but it was hard to br- breathe. But he could see moving shadows inside the cavern. There was some kind of light source. But he says in his dream he was pulled out by uh, his scout friend with the who was holding a flashlight. And uh, and when he was pulled out, he could see. Those weird hairy leg creatures all around him, and that that is his memory of this kind of crazy night in 1966 in Corpus Christi, Texas. So, wow. UFOs coming down, taking water, Bigfoot's scouting the area.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. and- the thing that the most, the, the the most, uh, the thing that really got my attention, even more so, is the idea that there was this cavern of air underneath Under,
0: underneath the lake yeah of course and there's a there's just like so many different incidents um like this I, and one of the more famous ones uh was from i believe out in pennsylvania uh where it was during the a big flap of ufo and bigfoot sightings called uh you may have read it stan gordon wrote about this yeah. in his book uh, a silent invasion where there there was a red light being seen by a farmer in the woods and he's like what the hell is that and then he sees what he describes as some foot tall hairy humanoids walking along the fence line towards uh not necessarily towards the light but running parallel to the red light in the woods uh he grabs his rifle he cracks off a shot um he doesn't know if he hits it or not. He cracks off another one where he, I believe he swears that his aim was good enough that he probably should have hit it. And then these, uh, these two big hairy humanoids uh, go into the woods towards the red light and then the red light goes up into the air. Um, and wow. that's, I yeah. mean, that's a, a pretty famous case when it comes to uh, Bigfoots and UFO encounters. I'm not saying that like, they're all linked but there seems to be some sort of of link between of the appearance of, of Bigfoot and UFOs, like either within like seven day period. Like if you see UFOs, eh, you might you're more likely to see UFOs in an area and vice versa.
1: I think you don't hear as many accounts of, of that, which there are quite a few. But I think the thing that maybe shadows it or um, takes the spotlight is the men in black phenomenon like take out the, the Sasquatch element and put in the men, you know, a man in black being, you know, like you just said, within seven days, if they're not there within, you know, during the time of the incident, usually it's within like a week, you know, people are uh, visited by the, the, the men in black, but then you just mentioned that, that Bigfoot. Yeah. Within like sometimes within a seven day period, you know, that all of a sudden, you have these other sightings it's just I don't know, it's all fascinating to me the men in life.
0: black is a is a very weird phenomenon yes like it's it, it
1: that's where it also and it goes back a lot longer yeah. than people think
0: yeah some so people's like oh well that's just the uh, men in black is an elite division of the air force sent out to investigate weird events and that could be i mean that could be one element of it Right. But there's other people claiming that th- these men in black are are deep into secret societies
1: like the Knights of Malta. That's and, what I was saying. They go back a thousands of years of these sightings of men in black type types.
0: And, the, and they are like uh, it goes into ritualistic kind of areas, not just it it goes beyond like just the physical realm where these people, these men in black can appear almost seemingly out of nowhere. In order to intimidate, gain information. They just so happen to take the form of us in order to do what they need to do on this realm and then get out.
1: And that's why they, (laughs) that could explain why a lot of them appear to be robotic in nature. You know, like very uh, Terminator-like, you know, with the glasses and everything. And some of them, some people speculate that they're flat-out demons. So I I don't know, you know. I know Jim Keith, the late Jim Keith wrote a book about the men in black, too, that he he went pretty far back with a lot of those accounts.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people that the the more that they seem to maybe dig into the UFO phenomenon, uh, particular cases that uh, that's when they get visited and they'll get the. Uh, I guess harassed, I guess,
1: is the best word to to use. Uh, Or intimidated into shutting their mouths, yeah, what they saw.
0: And then it's tough because some genuine weird humanoid encounters get conflated with like uh, Men in Black, like the the most famous one, obviously Mothman with Ingrid Cold, uh, who by all accounts does... Ingrid Cold was like a humanoid alien that was coming down and visiting people who were in close proximity to the mothman events uh, at point pleasant in west virginia yeah. and he made multiple visits to particular people and it, it seems like to gain gain information and to intimidate and never to be seen from event like uh, be, never to be seen again at, but during that five-year period he pretty well known in that area and then kind of disappeared
1: yeah yeah. Well, we don't really know the nature of our reality, you know, no, That's we why don't. it's good to question it. And uh, I don't know if you're going to like this transition, but uh, we, there was an article that you had brought to my attention. Uh, if do you have enough time for us to sure. go over that article. Yeah. yeah we it should. Kind of goes into the simulation theory in a way, or it could just be other, you know, alternate realities and other, or other dimensions and, that's definitely right in my wheelhouse like, because I, I put a lot of stock into into that. I I personally think um, that dreams, and I know they just showed it in the, the latest Doctor. Strange movie, but I had always thought that dreams were like visions of our other selves and other realities that we uh, get to glimpse nightly, you know And then it's in the movie and I'm like, oh no, now when I tell people they're gonna say, oh, he's talking about Dr. Strange, and I'm like, no, no.
0: It does feel that way. Sometimes it feels like sometimes when I dream, I'm yeah. actually going to work. Yeah. Like it's like, I it definitely have the same set of assets or uh, environments that I visit and dream sometimes. I was like, okay, I'm going to go do some work. And that's what it feels like when I wake up sometimes.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It could be like nothing to like, like you said, just going to work. It's like, oh, oh
0: yeah. But oh, this yeah. article you're talking about uh, yeah. we've prefaced it it's from wired.com
1: Yeah.
0: Um but uh, it's titled How Reality May Be the Sum of All Possible Realities.
1: That sounds like a concept album right there.
0: It's crazy. <laughs> I love it. To think about but there's some interesting little tidbits in here. Um it starts off saying the the most powerful formula in physics starts with a slender S the symbol for the for a sort of sum of known as the integral further along comes the second S representing the quantity known as actions together. These twin S's form the essence of an equation that is arguably the most effective diviner of the future yet devised. And the, the, it basically what there's, I think what they're saying in here is that they do have a formula and all possible realities in like quantum mechanics, like every action could have its own set of timelines, but our reality is the sum of all of those possibilities. And so it's all been played out somewhere. And this is the collapsed version of it all.
1: God, I love that. Cause I always thought like for every decision you don't make, for every decision you make another reality happens that you, of the decision you get the choice no, I'm a great host here, folks. I'm like trying to articulate <laughs> my thoughts here. And I'm like, okay, I, I have always bought into the idea that, let's say you have two choices. You can only pick one, but yet both possibilities do exist and end up happening. But the one that you're on right now, like your reality now is, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but anyway. No, it, right. it, it's a, infinite, a, infinite stuff. Yeah,
0: It's, it's complicated to, to wrap your head around. This all goes back to the, the, that quantum experiment, the the double slit experiment, yeah. where the observed pattern produces either interference patterns or some other kind of pattern based upon the observer of yeah. of that experiment. And um, let's see if I can get back down to see where this actually kind of maybe makes some sense. So the interference pattern is a supremely strange result because it implies that both the particles' possible paths uh, through the barrier have a physical reality. The path integral assumes uh, this is, is how particles behave even when there are no barriers or slits around. First, imaging cut a third slit in the barrier. The interference pattern on the wall will shift to reflect the new possible route. Now keeping cutting slit. Now keep cutting slits until the barrier is nothing but slits. Finally, fill the rest of the space with all slit, all slit barriers. The particle fired into the space takes, uh, in some sense, all routes. Though the slits on uh, all, all, will take all routes through the slits on the fall wall, even bizarre routes with looping detours. And somehow, when summed correctly, all those options. Add up to what you'd expect if there were no barriers, a single bright spot on the far wall. Um, so, what they're saying is like, no matter how many slits you put, it's all going into one area. That's what I'm getting out of it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. They keep trying this experiment a bunch of different ways, and it's all leading to one result. Um, but it's a, it's a deep, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll probably tweet out this link because there's just a lot in here. I don't yeah, know what I'll it look- really
1: means for us, but i'll be thinking about it for like quite a while like because i have it as one of the tabs here yeah i'll be thinking about that for because uh i don't have the
0: i probably didn't explain it very well because no uh, you
1: did you know you did well what did, well basically i think just the article itself is a lot to take in to begin with so
0: it's almost like quantum immortality <laughs> right like right. uh you're here and you are going to live the possible longest version of this life, you, and yeah. uh, not your other yous. You are because all the other ones have are have died off, or they will die off and collapse into this version of you. Yeah, and this is the final product. Yeah, yeah. well, there might be other people that die in your life, but in that other one, they're, they're still alive. I know it's a bizarre way to kind of think about life. It almost kind of is a nihilistic view. Like nothing matters because you're in the final <laughs> form of it.
1: Right. Uh, but... that, yeah. Not only that, but, um, yeah, like it, it brings into the, the concept that maybe there isn't uh, a life after death, but that doesn't really matter because you are, are already experiencing life in because uh, in a way that your life force, whatever that may be, your spirit, soul, is occupying all these multiple infinite uh, other yous all over the spectrum, the, whatever the universe or the multiverse or what... It, I don't think our brains are, are created to be able to process it, to be honest with you. No. You know what it, I mean?
0: It, but it, it is kind of curious that the, the the term multiverse has really cropped up. Quite yes. frequently within the past uh, four years, with movies using the multiverse, in Marvel, Marvel yeah. the 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 Oscar winner, everything, everywhere, all at once. That uh, which is a great movie. It was about the multiverse and tapping into your other use in different dimensions or different timelines in order to gain those
1: skills. To Mike, you might think I'm full of shit, but I actually wrote a screenplay that had that same premise, and now I'm like, what? And now I'm like, what the hell am I going to do now? now yeah, it's, that, now that it's was gonna the best one I like got. <laughs> that's gonna, be, yeah. Now it's gonna look like I'm ripping, ripping these people off, they want an Oscar.
0: No, you, you could still do it because uh, it's not new concepts. That, that's something that's been like in in role playing games for a long time. Marvel well, yeah, but, and,
1: but now, like now that it's, you know, yeah, you're it, right.
0: You're now right. it's in the public consciousness. Now it zeitgeist. is. Yeah. It's, it's not niche nerd stuff anymore. Right. It is now something that the collective unconsciousness can process. And if we live in this kind of reality where it takes all of us to create the reality together because we have like a common thought process of what this reality should be. Well, now that idea is in us. And yeah. now that that I, idea is in us, it makes it a possibility.
1: Yeah, and there's also, uh, I won't get into it, but uh, I I feel like we have this human internet, which uh, I think Nietzsche, or I'm going to screw this up too, but like the collective unconsciousness, I think we all share the same dreams, memories, ideas, like as human beings, but that's that's also.
0: I think we do. I think it all goes up like into the ether. And uh, it's like in that ether basically is our cloud storage system. that we all all can kind of pick from at times. And some people are better at consciously uh, tapping into it, almost like uh, the Akashic records or music Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like the idea of a muse. I think it's just you're you're scooping up the stream, you know, the mind stream of uh, the collective of those who were alive at one time. And those that are alive in the future, because I don't I think time is going on all at the same time too. And people are probably going like what the hell is he talking about? You know, I think the past, present, and future are all happening simultaneously, but that's another mind uh coitus, you know. I love talking to you, dude. You're you're great. I had a
0: great talk with you, man. Yeah, I gotta I gotta go back to I guess reality now and go do some IT <laughs> yeah. work.
1: <laughs> yeah we're we another version of you is gonna wake up soon because he he's 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 experiencing you going to work right now yeah. so you're on the other end now you're, it's not your dream now so the other guys are all waking up
0: now. yep i gotta go do his work <laughs> do his
1: work <laughs> and he just sits around and dreams about me anyway. yeah well anyway this is great. Um, I hope, will you come back? Cause oh, absolutely. Yeah. This was fantastic. This is great. We can, um, we can,
0: the next time I come back, we could dig deeper into like a Bigfoot. I have like a bunch of Bigfoot UFO stuff. Oh, uh, awesome. yeah. I'll just, I'll bring all those stories. And, uh, I, I I've been collecting great. them for, for years now. We'll just dig oh, into some yeah. of these, these bizarre ones from like, uh, Russia, Brazil, <laughs> uh, all these kind of weird stuff. Uh, it, it, at least in our world, in ufology uh, we yeah. tend to like americanize everything and talk about those things because well right. language barriers but uh we'll talk about some international stuff
1: yeah and even some uh some former presidents going to hunt sasquatch oh I yes i come across you know Sa- one last thing you know sasquatch obviously you know this sasquatch has a an fbi file
0: Oh, I can imagine everyone does at this point, doesn't they? Well, yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Know, but literally, they have an FBI file on Bigfoot. Right. I, I, we should go over that. We'll go over that next time. This is awesome. Just uh, so tell everyone where they can find you again. And uh, if you want to be contacted, you know how they can contact you.
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, you can find me and uh, the rest of my co hosts at obdmpod.com. Uh, All links there for the podcast and live show are at the website and uh, you can check us out on uh, Twitter at OBD and pod and yeah, email, I guess we get inundated with like a lot of requests. So email is the best way to submit stories because then it goes to all hosts and we kind of comb through headlines. It's current events, it's paranormal, it's goofy news. uh, And uh, it's just kind of a fun show.
1: Okay. And also, we can catch you on Union of the Unwanted, too. Oh,
0: yes. Union of the Unwanted with, uh, you're on there sometimes, Sam Tripoli. Yep. Uh, we got Charlie Robinson and Ricky from Ripple Fact and just a whole host of other people. We do that, uh, every other Monday on Rock then, and that, uh, can be, uh, listened to on, uh, any podcast as well.
1: Right. Awesome. Mike. Uh, yeah. When this becomes, uh, when I send the links to the, uh, file to my good friend Six, who, uh, Coming up, folks, I'm going to be doing a special Osama bin Laden uh, special. I'm going to do a special Osama bin Laden special dedicated to all the many uh, deaths that he has had uh, in his illustrious career as Tim Osman or whatever. And that's coming up very shortly. So just uh, stay tuned within the next hour. And uh, that'll, that'll be it. And Mike, I'll send you the links. The moment six is able to get them back to me and I can't wait to talk to you again, sir. Cool. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Hey, take care. You have a good rest of your day. You too. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.